0: We don't have the mic set up. All right, so as we start today, we just talked about it over there, but who is on the throne? Ashley, Christ is on the throne. I'm glad to hear that, Ashley, because if Christ wasn't on the throne, this would all be worthless, especially as we talk about leadership. You can't lead from your own strength. Actually, you can, but you're going to do a pretty poor job of it, right? As believers and as people that are leading in ministry, we want to be leading his way. In his strength, according to his purposes, not our own. And so he has to be on the throne. That is foundational. And again, if you need a brush up on Christ being on the throne and what all that means and how to live there and how to be there, go to connectflc.com and click the Grow tab. And any semester you pick will have that topic in there. It'll just say Christ on the throne and it'll have the MP3 for that. So, what is a leader? What do you guys think? A person of influence, somebody that's willing to serve. Somebody that's willing to serve. That's good. What else? Somebody wants, so wants to help. Someone who like helps direct a group in a direction. Mm-hmm. Direction setter. Your role model. A role model. Well, yeah, like, Confidence. Okay. That's a good designation because what we're after is not self-confidence. I've heard it put as Christ confidence, right? We want our esteem and our confidence to be in him, not in ourselves. Paul actually talks about it in Second Corinthians three, four through six, if I'm not mistaken. In fact that'd be a really good passage to open up with. So let's go to Second Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 1. Chapter three. Verses 4 through 6. I'll go ahead and read it. it. says, "...such confidence we have through Christ before God." So our confidence is through Christ. "...not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life." not that good? So our competence and our confidence come from God. In ministry, right? That's really good, Stephanie. If I'm just trying to rely on myself or boost up my own self-esteem, I'm going to be a failure of a leader. Any other descriptions of leadership? All those were good. I'm not looking for a specific answer. I just wanted to kind of get some perspective on what you guys are thinking. What we're going to study today all goes back to Jesus because he is our ultimate example of leadership, right? He is the ultimate leader. He's God in human flesh. If ever there was a leader, it was him. He is the ultimate role model of leadership that we want to follow. We're going to go through a lot of different characteristics and an acronym that I hope helps you remember some of those. All of these you can trace back to the life of Christ. Your homework this week, should you choose to add to your already large piles of homework, you could do this in your quiet times, though, so maybe don't think of it as homework. Think of it as fun and entertaining and growing with God things like that, but your homework would be to try to find these characteristics in Christ's life. I would encourage you, pull out a Bible and look for yourself at the life of Christ, and try and do some research and see how he led, see where you see these different characteristics in his life, and I think it'll be encouraging to you this week as you look at some of those characteristics in your quiet times, all right? And so we want to go over this leadership acronym today, and acronym is leadership (laughs) okay so each of those letters stands for something very important and the first of those l is lifestyle the leader leads in his daily life does that make sense a leader doesn't just lead when it comes time to lead an event this is a lifestyle guys and as a believer i hope you recognize that the church has gotten into a lot of trouble from people that thought leading was just an event or that leading happened on sunday morning And their lifestyle didn't reflect where God had called them to lead, right? They didn't walk in integrity, for example, or they might not have even walked close to God. So we want to talk about the lifestyle of a leader, the L in the leadership acronym. Leaders live in intimacy with God. You've got to get that, guys. And we're going to review this entire list at the end today and do kind of like a self-test. That's why all the boxes are there in your notes. But the leader lives in intimacy with God experiencing daily fellowship with God. Because it's out of that, like Stephanie was saying, like we read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it's out of that fellowship with God that I have confidence and confidence for the ministry that he's called me to. Right? Because it's out of him making me more and more like himself that I can truly lead. And until I get to that place of intimacy with God, my leadership is going nowhere. At least in godly terms. It might go somewhere as far as how other people view me, It might go somewhere as far as the world views me, but not as far as God does. Leadership for the Christian has to come out of intimacy with him. And we're going to go into that deep next week. I would put it this way this week, kind of to summarize that point. The number one leadership responsibility you have is your own walk with God. Does that make sense? If you're not where you need to be with God, you should not be leading others. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that you have to be perfect, (laughs) because there will be times where you're leading and your walk with God isn't where it needs to be. Maybe you're missing some quiet time, you're not getting in the Word, or maybe not getting into prayer enough. I'm not saying abdicate your role of leadership. I'm not saying just step out of it completely. What I'm saying is you should know that your intimacy with God is the number one foundation for everything else that happens in ministry. All right? Leaders live in intimacy with God, and that includes knowing God's Word and not just knowing it but being able to share that with others, being able to apply that in their lives. I quoted James 1.22 earlier, which says, Be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. As a leader, if I'm not applying God's word, I'll be deceiving myself and others. Remember what Paul told Timothy, right, in 2 Timothy chapter 4? He said, Watch your life and doctrine closely. This is important for leaders. We'll discuss this more this semester. But I have to be getting in the word, And I have to be applying the word in my daily life. I also have to be living in prayer. Remember Jesus' example of going to the Father in prayer every single day. A leader leads through praying. And specifically, a leader leads through praying for the people that they lead. Aaron and I have long had a commitment to pray for you guys daily. And there are periods of time where that has waned. (laughs) And I cannot say that I've prayed for you daily. But there are also periods of time where it has been strong. Right? Mickey, we just met you, so I haven't prayed for you daily, ever. <laughs> but, but I'll be starting, okay? But I want to encourage you that as a leader, you had better be praying for the people that you lead. Remember what Samuel wrote in 1 Samuel 12, I think it is? He said, far be it for me to sin against God by failing to pray for you. He was talking about Israel, who he was leading. Far be it for me to sin against God by failing to pray for you. So leader prays, and specifically prays for those he's leading or she's leading. Leaders have convictions based on scripture. They live with a biblical worldview. That's what the other class is discussing right now. A leader has to go back to scripture. There are a lot of leaders right now that are not leading based on scripture. And I'm talking about inside the church, right? There are a lot of leaders that are on the fringes, and they're not leading according to Scripture. We can't do that. We have to base it all on Scripture, okay? Out of that conviction and out of that foundation in Scripture, leaders have a godly character because God's Word changes me from the inside out, right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 says that. And so as I'm being changed, I start to exhibit God's character, and a godly leader leads with character. And this is going to go somewhere, so this is important. Because character produces something fundamental for leadership. So what is godly character? Simply put, it's Christ-likeness, right? It's, that's probably the simplest way to think about it. A leader is loving. That's part of Christ-like character. A leader is trustworthy. What if I tell you I'm going to do something and I don't do it? What if I didn't show up for this class today? You probably wouldn't come next week. So it doesn't mean that you'll be perfect, but a leader strives to be trustworthy not to break their word. A leader walks in integrity. Right? They don't blur the lines between right and wrong, but they walk in integrity. Just a side note, if you have a clear conscience, that's going to produce boldness and confidence. And if there's secret sin in your life, it's going to erode boldness and confidence. You cannot lead with guilt and shame. And that guilt and shame, like we discussed earlier, is going to be the result of the Holy Spirit convicting you of sin when you sin. Right? And a leader won't be able to lead with that guilt and shame inside. It just stops them dead in their tracks. So leaders with godly character live in integrity. They live in sincerity, right? not being deceptive. Paul said that he had renounced secret and shameful ways. Everything was out in the open. Anybody could see it. They live with optimism. Leaders are optimistic. They're not pessimistic. They're enthusiastic. They're humble. Leaders have to be humble. They're willing to allow others to serve in their strengths. A leader doesn't think he can do everything. A leader has to be humble enough to realize that they're limited. A leader has to be humble enough to realize that she can't do it all, and that she needs a team, and that she's going to allow other people to serve alongside alongside her in their strengths. And then a leader apologizes when they're wrong, right? That takes a lot of humility. A leader doesn't have to put up this facade of always being right. A leader is passionate. A leader exhibits the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are all parts of the character of Christ that a leader lives with. Now, this isn't a comprehensive list. I'm sure you can come up with others. But the bottom line is that a leader leads with character and in integrity. Now, here's what's important. That character yields respect, Right? If somebody has no character, are you going to respect them? If they're dishonest, disloyal, not walking in integrity, do they earn your respect? Not at all. If you don't respect them, are you going to be loyal to them? Not at all. If you're not respecting them or loyal to them, are they going to be able to influence you? Not at all. Right? When Bill Clinton cheated on his wife, he lost a lot of respect. He lost a lot of people's loyalty, and he had a lot less capacity to leave than he had before. Right? And it goes that way even more so in the church. Think about some leader that's fallen big time publicly like Ted Haggard, lost their credibility, lost their capacity to lead, completely eroded the confidence, respect and loyalty of those that they were leading. right So we have to live in character so that we can be followed by people. Yeah. Yeah, you are planning on cool. All right. And then you should get one of these. All right. So continuing. Leaders. All right. Okay. So I got a little off track there. That confused. So character yields respect, which yields loyalty, which creates the capacity for influence. Right? And so it's important to be walking with Christ-like character. Leaders are disciplined, not disorganized, not out there. They're disciplined. They have their own life under control. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, they're not perfect, but they're disciplined and becoming more so. Leaders are committed to continued growth. As a leader, you never stop growing. You get that? You never stop growing because you'll never be there. You never get to the point where you say, I finally reached it. I finally got to the top. We keep on growing, right? It's a process. It goes on throughout our entire life. Leaders overcome obstacles, whether those are personal barriers or circumstances. Howard Hendricks put it this way. He says, the measure of a person is what does it take to get you going and what does it take to stop you. If it takes a whole lot to get you going and very little to stop you, you're not much of a person. Right? You're pretty immature. But if it takes very little to get you going, you'll start like that. You have initiative. We're going to talk about that in a minute. And it takes a whole lot to get you to stop, Then you really have matured to a certain level. you still got to keep growing. You're not there yet. We'll talk more about how to expand those barriers and expanding your comfort zones. But basically, a leader overcomes obstacles, and they don't stop short. And leaders lead in the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you get that? All these aspects of Christ's character that we've been talking about, All these lifestyle issues that are the foundation for leadership have to happen in the power of the Holy Spirit. If you're just trying harder, you're never going to get there. You have to get to a point where out of intimacy with God, you're allowing Him to live His life through you. And His life through you is that life of character, that lifestyle of godliness that people will respect and follow. And you'll have that capacity to influence as a result. So L stands for lifestyle. E stands for example. I think it was Samantha that said leaders lead by example, right? You could see many points in Scripture where this is the case. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Isn't that good? Do you wish you could say that to everybody around you? Oh, you want to know how to live a Christian life? Just do what you see me doing, <laughs> right? That's pretty bold and confident. Going back to the boldness and confidence, right? But Paul was able to say that, And he was able to say openly and boldly, follow my example. We should all be willing to live examples that people can follow. And the best way to lead is by example. So leaders lead by example, by showing others the way. Not just telling others the way, but by showing them the way. By taking the step first. Part of leading by example is leading by serving, right? So leaders serve others. Even Jesus himself said this. He said he didn't come to be served, but rather to serve isn't that true? So he led us by serving us. Serving others involves strengthening them, supporting them, encouraging them, and building them up. I want to make Alex a better person. right? I want to do anything I can to make you stronger, to make you healthier, to help you take the next step, to help you grow. Aaron and I spent a whole lot of money <laughs> at Amazon. right? We buy a lot of books. And when I'm buying those books for each of you guys, I'm not doing it just because I want to blow money. I really want you to grow as an individual. I want you to be able to take a step to the next level of where God wants you to be. That's just one way that you can do it. There are so many ways that we can serve each other and help each other grow. Leaders lead by example by serving those around them. An example is the E in the acronym leadership. Okay, going on to A, leaders lead by action, by taking action. A leader is not somebody that is passive. Rather, a leader is somebody that is action oriented, right? Leaders do whatever is needed. A leader does not say, I'm done. A leader does not check out. A leader does what needs to be done, right? They're people of action. Leaders have a can do attitude, right? Whenever something comes up that needs to be done, even if it seems impossible, even if it seems too big to accomplish, a leader says, we're going to get there, right? We're going to get there together as a team. We're going to do it. Even if it seems impossible, we're going to do it. Right now, looking at the amount of follow-up that we have from the last two weeks, we have hundreds of students that want to be talked with more about Jesus, that want to be plugged in and invited to Bible studies and connect to other events. We can't do that, <laughs> it doesn't seem. But you know what? We're not going to have the attitude that we can't. We're going to have a can-do attitude about it, and we're going to do it, right, as a team. I think all of you are going to have the capacity to help in that. Leaders are fearless. A leader doesn't let her fear stop her from taking a step. Leaders are fearless and go wherever they have to go, do whatever they have to do to accomplish the goal. Leaders are energetic as they do what they need to do. Leaders are not passive and they're not lazy, but they're energetic. Leaders do the right things at the right time. Doing the right thing isn't all that's needed. Did you guys see that commercial a while back? We don't watch TV, so this could have been back when I was in college. I don't know. But anyway, there's a guy he's having a date with his girlfriend. And she looks at him and she says, I love you. He just sits there and sits there and sits there. And she's like, ah, she stands up and walks away it. I love you, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a funny commercial. But anyway, the point was he's doing the right thing, but not at the right time, right? Leaders don't just do the right thing, but they do it at the right time. What if we waited to do this follow-up for six months? And six months from now, call people back and say, oh, you remember that spiritual interest survey you did your first week at school? <laughs> right? that would be doing the right thing, but at the wrong time. So leaders have to have a concept of timing. So doing the right thing, taking action... But then doing it at the right time, not at the wrong time. Right? We'll go into more on all these different areas later on in the semester. This is kind of just a brief overview, a big picture outline of leadership. D in the leadership acronym is direction. Leaders are visionary. Right? It has been said that leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. Did you get that? Leadership is the capacity to translate vision into reality. You can't translate vision into reality if you don't have vision, if you can't see the direction, if you can't see the big picture. A leader has to have the big picture at the forefront of their mind. They have to know where they're going before they can help other people get where they're going. you All right, so leaders lead with direction. Leaders know the best way to get the team to the goal. And sometimes they might not have all the answers. I'm not saying you have to have all the answers. But what I'm saying is you get to the place where you can chart the course for the team. Does that make sense? You know how to get the team where we need to go. That's what leaders do. They have the big picture, and they know how to get there. They're visionaries. Leaders are confident and sure of their calling, their purpose, and their role. And this, again, comes out of God working in their lives, right? Again, this is Christ-esteem, not self-esteem. This confidence comes out of the Holy Spirit working in you, making you more like Jesus. But if you're not confident, you're not going to be a strong leader. You're not going to be able to get the team to the goal. Now, I say that recognizing that every leader on this planet, and all of you in this room, have tremendous insecurities. I'm confident of that. The most bold, confident-looking people I've ever met in my life. The good-looking athletes that speak boldly and run corporations have probably more insecurities than anybody in the room. And their boldness and their presentation oftentimes is just a cover-up for those insecurities. It's a security blanket where they're trying not to be seen for certain different things that they don't like about themselves. Does that make sense? One of the boldest athletes that I've ever known on this campus, who is also one of the strongest leaders that we've ever had in this ministry, I used to think of him, even though I was on staff and he was a student, I would think, man, I'd give anything to be as bold and confident as that guy. And he told me once, he said, I have so many insecurities, I almost can't do anything. I was shocked. No, not you. You don't have insecurities. And he's like, oh, I have so many insecurities. Does that make sense, guys? I say that only to help you know that confidence does not equal no insecurities. Did you get that? Confidence equals insecurities surrendered surrender to God. So confidence happens when you take your insecurity and you say, God, I don't like that insecurity, but you know what? I'm choosing to give it to you and take a step of faith regardless of that insecurity. Does that make sense? Okay. So leaders are confident and sure of their calling, their purpose, and their role. Leaders are decisive. I think it's better to make a wrong decision than to not make a decision. Does that make sense? Leaders have to get to a point Of being decisive hopefully in wisdom leaders take charge when needed or called upon and you will be called upon this semester and we'll need you to step up and go for it right to do what you need to do so leaders take charge when needed or called upon leaders lead with good intuition discernment judgment and wisdom did you get that leaders aren't flippant they don't just whatever i'm just going to do it they actually lead with wisdom they, they're diligent to study the options to know where they're going and to find the best way to get there. Leaders know when to change their mind if they're wrong, right? Leaders know when to say, okay, I made a mistake there, and I'm going to change my mind. So they make their decisive, they make the bad decision, let's say, and then they can change their mind and correct the course and get to the right place. Hopefully, they don't have to do that all that often. Leaders are committed to the vision and won't compromise the absolutes. Do you get that? If if leaders are visionary, and if they're leading with direction, then they have to be committed to the direction and to the vision. If they're not committed to the vision, they're dead in the water, right? If we're going towards winning this campus for Christ, towards making disciples of the students at Fort Lewis College, towards sending them across this planet to fulfill the Great Commission, on every part of this globe. If that's our vision, and it is by the way, our vision is to win, build, and send college students. If that's our vision, what happens when I decide I like, I don't know, I'm gonna take up saving the whales over here on the side, right? Or here's a better one. We actually had a student once that became a Christian and started really growing in their faith, got really excited, started learning how to share, and then got extremely passionate about saving wolves. I'm not kidding. Saving wolves became this person's passion. Okay, well that person got distracted from the direction. Got distracted from the vision, right? And they gave up the big picture for wolves. Okay, well, you know, that's that's the point. You've got to be focused as a leader on the vision. I'm not criticizing that person. Hopefully they have a great opportunity to save wolves all the, all their life. But if you want to be a leader, you have to stay focused on the vision. You have to keep your eyes on the prize, on the goal, right? Remember Elway in that Super Bowl? you right, guys? Yeah, you know, old enough to remember that. Remember those eyes? Like, oh I'm going to score that touchdown. When he was running it in, at the end, oh, that was awesome. Okay, we need those kinds of eyes for the vision, right? Leaders focus on objectives and goals, not obstacles. No matter what, you guys are going to face obstacles. I promise you that. And as a leader, you can't get focused on the obstacle. You have to keep your eyes on the goal, on the vision. And you're going to get past that obstacle. But you can't have analysis paralysis with the obstacle. You can't say the obstacle is so huge and get stuck in a run. You have to keep your eyes on the objective and the goal, not the obstacle. Leaders build momentum. It's a function of leadership that you will keep building momentum, okay? Because without momentum, you're going to come to this reaching goal. So a leader is constantly doing anything they can to build momentum for the vision and for the goal, to help the team get there. Leaders follow their purpose and work towards their purpose and the big picture with an eternal perspective. Right? I have to keep the perspective of eternity. Nikki, can I share what you told my wife the other day? It was like the best quote I've ever heard. Really sure. Sweet. Aaron asked Nikki the other day, Why would you want to lead a Bible study? Why would you want to do ministry? And that he said, it's the only reason we're alive. Okay? Um, something to that effect. I might be paraphrasing it. I don't know. But that's eternal perspective. Realizing I'm here for one thing only. That's to know God and make him known. To steal a phrase from my land. Right? That's the purpose, guys. To know him and to make him known. So I've got to have vision and i got to lead with direction. Okay, E in the leadership acronym is expertise, okay, expertise. Leaders lead with authority. What if your leader said, I kind of think maybe we might get there, but I really don't know. <laughs> right? They're not leading with authority. What if your leader never knows the answer hard kind time of following that leader, right? If they're always wrong, they never know the answer. So leaders lead with authority, and I want to talk about that for a minute before we talk about leaders being authorities. A leader is submitted to their authority. You can't be a person of authority without also being submitted to authority, right? The only person that doesn't have to be submitted to authority is God, right? God himself. But for the rest of us that aren't God, and that includes all of us, we have to be submitted to our authority. And God always works this way. You're going to have to serve under people that are more immature than you. I promise you this. You're going to have to serve under people that might be mean, might not like you. That's not your out to go against them. As far as scripture is concerned, and as far as Christian leadership is concerned, we serve under the authority that we're under, right? And we do that the right way. Now, there will be opportunities where that person is leading incorrectly, and you might have to leave that. But that won't be often. Typically, the way God works is you stay submitted to your spiritual authority, serving the best you can in authority over your area of influence. Does that make sense? You don't say, well, I don't like the way you lead, so I'm out of here. I'm going to go do my own thing. And sometimes it's hard, guys. Sometimes Aaron and I have been so sure that our way was right and that the people leading us were wrong. And most of the time, we found that we were really wrong. I'll tell you one little example. When we first got married, we were working, making a lot of money, and we wanted to get a house in Durango, and prices were absolutely skyrocketing. We knew that we were going to be going on staff and raising our support, so we talked to Russ and said, what do you think about us buying a house? And Russ said, I would encourage you not to buy a house right now. Just work, wait, raise your support, and then once your support is raised, see what happens. And I was so mad. Right now, we're making the money. Right now, we're pre for the loan. Right now, we can get any house we want. Prices are skyrocketing. Why are you telling us to wait? But we said, you know what? Russ is our spiritual authority, and we're going to respect that, and we're going to wait right now, because that's what he wants, knowing that we're coming on staff. So we waited. The house we ended up getting ended up being the biggest steal that I've seen in a decade in this town, right? We entered that house, except for Stephanie's deal. Stephanie, your deal is even better. <laughs> free is always good. <laughs> a free house is never a bad thing, right? You closed on that house for a dollar? Uh, zero. Zero dollars, even better. <laughs> OK, so our house was the second best deal I've seen in a decade. <laughs> but anyway, we got into our house with so much equity that even after the downturn in the economy, and even after home values have lost a tremendous amount over the last few years, we still have a lot of equity in our house. That wouldn't have been the case if we would have gone our own way. Does that make sense? So at the time, I thought my way was better, but we deferred, and now God has blessed us as a result. Just look at David and how he treated Saul when he was waiting to become king of Israel, right? So a leader leads under authority and submitted to authority, and then also exercising godly authority over their area of influence. Leaders are also authorities in their field. Does that make sense? They know their stuff. They have the answers. I'm not saying they're perfect, but what I want to encourage you with is as a leader, you should be striving to grow so that you'll be an authority, right? Sometimes I hear leaders say, I really don't understand apologetics that much, so I'll just let somebody else feel those areas whenever they come up. Well, I want to encourage you. If you're leading, you might never be an expert in apologetics, but do your best to kind of get a, a brush up on in that area, right? Try to learn the answers so that when somebody that you're discipling asks you, what about evolution? You can tell that person, well, here are a few great answers. You might not ever know all the answers, and it's okay to refer people to people that are stronger in those areas. We're going to talk about spiritual gifting soon. So maybe that's not your spiritual gift, like having knowledge. That's okay. You can refer you know, that person to somebody who is stronger in that area. But also do your best to grow. And specifically, guys, do your best to know God's Word. There is nothing I hate more than when leaders or teachers speak from their own opinion and not from God's Word. And I hear it a lot, okay? And it makes me almost want to explode. hear an entire sermon where no scripture is used that's not a good sign or when scripture is flippantly used and manipulated different ways or if what is said doesn't line up with the breadth and body of scripture those are not okay and as a leader i would encourage you to be growing to a point where you can be authority in god's word and in the answers right you'll never be perfect in those things but do your best leaders don't give up when opposition arises and it will arise. It'll arise from every area. From your own flesh, from your own insecurities, from the world, from the people you're following. Our first year in ministry, we had gossip and slander, and it was terrible. It was really a hard year for Aaron and I to endure, but we refused to give up. Right? It was like the worst church split you've ever heard of times ten, all in one year. It was very bad, okay? but you can't give up when opposition arises. Leaders know their own limitations also. So as you're growing in expertise, the E in the acronym, know your own limitations and where you need to be growing. And know when you need to refer people to somebody that's stronger than yourself, right? And when you need to delegate, we'll get to delegation in a minute, but when you need to delegate to somebody that's stronger. Okay, R in the leadership acronym is relationships. Okay, here's the principle. People follow the leader first and then the vision. Does that make sense? Nikki, if we would have just walked up to you out of the blue and said, Nikki, wind build in, that's the vision. You in? <laughs> you, you, well, you might have said yes. <laughs> but a lot of people just hearing the vision might have thought, I'm not I'm not in, right? First, they need to see a person. And this is going to be true of each of you. When you lead, people are going to look at you. Jake, what kind of guy are you? Right? If you? If you start leading the praise team, Jake, and you're cussing everybody out because they didn't get this done, and then you're... Like screaming at them and breaking stuff up on stage, they're gone. Okay? You've never done that, thank God. But anyway, <laughs> leaders are gonna our followers are gonna follow the leader first and then the vision, right? So relationships are key. If we're not building relationships, we're not gonna have very much leverage for leadership. So how do leaders build relationships? Leaders love people. You get that leaders love people. And that's gonna come out in different ways. Some leaders are going to be lovey-dovey. I'm going to put my arm around me we're going to cry together and it'll be so awesome. Okay, that's not me. <laughs> that might be Stephanie more than me, right? Stephanie's very compassionate. Samantha, you two are so compassionate. You might be able to cry with girls in your Bible study and hug each other and, and cry some more. And smile at each other and then cry and hug. That's not going to happen at our Bible studies. <laughs> no, no. See... No, that's just, some girls are going to be, oh, believe me, I we, we've had ladies on our staff and on our service team that are as strong as anyone, <laughs> but you two ladies, I think, are gifted with compassion. That's a good thing. That's one way of showing love. Another way of showing love might be really being able to, to point somebody back at scripture, right? I'm trying to do that with some compassion, though. Um, there are a lot of ways to show love, but... The best definition I've ever heard is putting somebody else's interests above your own. And the leaders who do that with the people that they serve. They're going to serve. They're going to live an example. And they're going to put the interests of those that they're leading above their own. So they're going to love genuinely. They're going to empathize with the people that are following them. They're going to feel emotionally their pain. That's hard for me to do. I don't do that very well. That's not good. I ask God to help me empathize better. And I want him to help me empathize better with people. Leaders develop relationships and personal connections. There are different ways of doing that. One example for us last year was hunting together. Brandon shot this elk, and Jack and I, and Joseph, and Rob. And the rest of you guys in here? There. I don't think so. We're all packing this elk out. It took hours. We're all getting all sweaty, cutting up elk meat. Uh, well, we were doing something together that was developing connections. We didn't just go to accomplish the task and bring an elk home. This was a relational activity. That's why we do a lot of what we do. That's why a lot of you were jumping off the sky track the other day at the barbecue and hike. right? Okay, so leaders listen to people. That's important. They don't just bark orders, but they listen to people. Leaders attract others. Does it mean that you have to be the best-looking person on the planet? Thank God, right? (laughs) Leaders are attractive in more ways than just physically. Leaders attract others because they're interesting, because they're friendly, because they listen. Right? Don't you want to be around people that are interesting? My friend Eli is the most interesting person I know, I think. He's crazy. I mean, he rides down the highway standing on his motorcycle and wants to die in a plane crash so he can share his faith as the plane is going down. And, I mean, this guy <laughs> travels all over the world, leads worship conferences, and, I mean, he's an amazing guy. He's very interesting, you know. Right? You just want to hang out with him to learn. He has interesting characteristics, too. He has all these different hobbies and interests, and he's an amazing rock climber, an amazing kayaker, an amazing this and that. All those things that you love, they make you more and more interesting, and I want to encourage you guys to strive to become more interesting. Don't limit yourself to where you're at. <laughs> learn new pursuits. Learn new hobbies. If somebody invites you to do something you've never done, do it. Right? If you get to go somewhere you've never been, go there. The fact that Brandon spent the summer in Greece made Brandon a lot more interesting of an individual, right? You can talk to people about the Euro. You can talk to people about riots in Greece, right? You can talk to people about all these different things, the food there, the islands there. Do whatever you can to develop your interesting factor, right? So that you'll be more relatable to people and so that you'll be more attractive to people. Does that make sense? But genuinely, guys, if you're really loving people, that's going to be attractive because people aren't getting that very often, right? So leaders are magnetic, you could see. you could say. They draw people to themselves, almost without trying. Simply by being Christ-like and loving others. Leaders are committed to those they lead. That's one way they develop relationships, is by being committed to those they lead. Right? Okay, speech, the S in the leadership acronym. Leaders speak the truth. Leaders have to speak. I want to say that. Leaders cannot not speak. It right? doesn't mean they have to be loud and obnoxious, like me. <laughs> they could be quiet and reserved but they have to speak when when that necessary time comes to speak have you ever known I've got to say something but I'm scared to say something well a leader says I'm going to say it anyway even if it's scary and even if I don't want to say it that might involve saying something in a one-on-one friendship that you need to say or in front of a classroom God will lead you in that right? but we have to be able to speak the truth and to speak the truth in love as scripture says Leaders know, practice, and can teach the word. Right, A leader cannot lead without speaking God's word effectively. So grow in them. Leaders communicate vision and direction. You can know the vision, but if you can't articulate it, you're not going to help the team get there. So as a leader, grow in being able to articulate the vision and the direction. Leaders avoid pointless, condescending, rude, and profane speech. Look at the end of Ephesians 4 for more on that. Leaders have to be able to speak in a way that is uplifting, not in a way that's tearing down, whether that's through joking or whatever. Leaders communicate confidently and boldly. Remember what the people said about Jesus? He spoke as one who had authority, not as their teachers did. I want to get there. And I want to give you a clue about that, too. Use scripture if you want to speak with authority, (laughs) because you're kind of like using God's authority when you use scripture, and it's... uh, all-encompassing, his authority is limitless, right? You can't believe how many times that Aaron and I go to speak somewhere, and we get person after person after person. It comes up, that was the best thing I ever heard in my life. You know, that was so profound, that was so amazing. And every time we kind of like, it's pretty much because it was just straight from God's Word. <laughs> right? It's, it's not us, it's God. And uh, as a result, you actually end up looking good to people. Not that that's your goal, right? But... <laughs> If you're using God's word, it's going to come across with a lot more authority than if you're just using yours. Because his word doesn't return empty. Remember Isaiah 55 eleven? His word is going to accomplish all that he intends. Your word isn't. So if you want to speak with authority, speak God's word. Okay. H in the leadership acronym is habits. Leadership Leaders have good habits. Leaders are disciplined and diligent love the word diligence love the word self-discipline one of the fruits of the spirit that we mentioned earlier but in this capacity it's a habit i would encourage you to long for more discipline that is like the biggest thing i want more of in my life right now having two kids it's difficult but i'm begging god to help me be more disciplined before kids we organized our life in days in like maybe blocks morning or afternoon once you have kids, it's pretty much like five a minute. <laughs> you, know, you know, i not wake up at 5:45, and I better be praying by 5:47. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can't, I can't kill 15 minutes, right? This morning, I woke up at 5:45, walk out of my room, Tara's crying. So 5:46, no joke, 5:46, she's crying. I'm like, <laughs> I need this time. I want to encourage you to cultivate discipline. Because it's the only way that you're going to be able to use the time and talent and all those things that God's given you for his glory. Otherwise, it'll just get burned. And as a leader, you need to be disciplined and you need to be diligent. Again, I'll pull Timothy this in 2 in, uh, Timothy chapter 4. Leaders are faithful. And I want to encourage you, they're faithful with little for the sake of the little. You get that? Luke 16.10 talks about being faithful with little first. The little is not a stepping stone to the big. Did you get that? The little is what God has called you to be faithful with today. With no concept of what comes next. And be faithful today for all I'm worth, God. And be faithful today the best I can in your power. Right? Because that's what you've called me to do. This is between me and you, God. So leaders, you're faithful. I would encourage you, if you start a Bible study, be faithful and do that Bible study. As unto the Lord, not as unto men. Read more about that in Colossians 3 if you want. In 1 Corinthians 10. Brandon was a good example of this last year. You want what? And Josh, he's not here today. You guys want something like six weeks without people coming? And every day I was praying for Brandon. God make him faithful. God make him faithful. God make him. don't let him bail. Like, don't let him bail. He's he's gotta be convinced that ministry is between him and you. Ministry is not for the people that are coming. And what I want to encourage you guys with is be faithful. Even if somebody doesn't show up the first week or the second week or the tenth week. Be faithful as unto the Lord. Because he's going to work in your heart and make you the kind of person he wants you to be as a result. Leaders are hard working. They do things that are uncomfortable. They work when everybody else wants to go home. Russ is a great example of this. We all have this huge retreat. okay? After the retreats, do you know that Russ has to not just clean the lodge, not just shut down the lodge, not just pack... Everything into his truck and Linda's SUV, but then they have to get home and unload all of that stuff after they feel exhausted from the weekend of doing the retreat. And in, I mean, ten out of ten times, I'll ask, "Can I come help you unload?" And he says, "No, you go with your family." Right? He's leading by working hard, and he's serving me by wanting me to spend time with my family. Isn't that good? Right? Leaders are hard workers. That's a good example. So again, he's leading by example as well. Leaders manage their time and lives well. Their time is valuable. They see it as valuable. You never get it back. Leaders do whatever it takes to accomplish the vision and help the team win. You stop at nothing as a leader. Leaders lead with a good attitude and with passion. That's key. You could be doing all this, working hard. Being diligent and disciplined and have a terrible attitude, and that's going to pretty much burn everything to the ground that you're striving for, right? So lead in the power of the Holy Spirit with a good attitude, because sometimes you won't feel like it, right? Sometimes you won't feel like it at all, but trust Him to live His life through you as far as your attitude goes. And you know what? When you notice that you have a bad attitude, (laughs) maybe get an accountability partner that you can share that with. And get your eyes back on Christ. Remember all that He's given you rejoice in him. Be thankful. Think of all that you have to be thankful for and get your attitude back in line with where he's at. Leaders prioritize, right? You're going to have to choose between the good and the best. Leaders do this. Have you heard of the 80-20 principle? It goes like this, and this is a secular principle. This is a principle from the world. Business leaders have discovered this, and it's a proven principle. 80% of the value of what you do comes from 20% of your actions. Does that make sense? So make those 20 the best possible 20% you can imagine. Right? Prioritize the best you can. Do the best things, not just good things. Right? Prioritize like crazy. We say pick low-input, high-impact things rather than high-input, low-impact things. I'll give you an example. We've done a few concerts here where we bring some Christian band in. i not kidding you. It'll cost thousands of dollars. it's a nightmare, all that has to go into it, communicating with the band, getting things printed, putting flyers up, getting the venue, this and that, figuring out backup plans, figuring out where they're going to stay, figuring out what they're going to eat, figuring out, okay, this is high input, and time after time, nobody but Christians come to these supposed evangelistic events, right? High input, low impact. But on the flip side of the coin, you can do things that are low input, high impact. An example is Thursday dinner at our house. We don't have to prepare. It's not like we sit there planning and talk for hours on end. People come, we do a QA, and a everybody grows. Right? It's low input, but it has a lot of impact. Try to pick things that are going to have a minimal investment of time and energy, but a maximum impact. Right? That will maximize your time and input. Finally, guys, leaders sacrifice. Do you understand that? Leaders sacrifice and they keep sacrificing even when everything tells them not to. Okay, I in the leadership acronym is initiative. Leaders are resilient and bounce back after failure. Leaders keep on going. They take the initiative, they do whatever it takes, they bounce back after failure. And you will keep bouncing back after failure if you're ever going to be a successful leader. I've heard this statement before, fail harder, right? or fail until you succeed. Leaders keep going even after failure. right? Leaders are self-starters. So evaluate yourself. Am I a self-starter, or do I need somebody to pull and prod and drag and beg to get me going? Because leaders are going to be taking the initiative, they're going to be self-starters. Leaders are internally motivated, not from their, themselves, But because of the Holy Spirit, but they don't need somebody to motivate them to go, right? They're going to go because this is between me and God. I don't need anybody to tell me to go. I'm going for it, right? I'm going for it. Leaders lead with correct motives also, right? When you have initiative as a leader, you're doing things for the right reason. You're not doing things because of how it will look, because of the approval of man. That's a huge pitfall, guys. Don't do what you do so that you'll have approval from other people, but simply between you and God. I'm leading with the right motives to please God alone. Finally, P in the leadership acronym is propagates. Leaders multiply. That's where real growth happens. They multiply. Leaders invest in a few key people. That's what Jesus did. He didn't try to have the mega church meeting. He took a few poor people. Remember the faith acronym. If you haven't heard that, come talk to me faithful, available, initiative, teachable, heart for God, right? You want to look for those types of people to invest your life in. If you invest in a few of those types of people, they're going to keep multiplying until Christ returns, right? And you, in fact, keep multiplying as well through them. It's a good thing. One way that leaders do this is by delegating and empowering others. Like Jake, I told you a couple weeks ago, you're the worship leader, and as far as I'm concerned, it's your baby, Right? I'm not going to micromanage you. I might say sometimes, hey, here's something that I'd like to see change, right, or da-da-da-da, but you know what, I want you to run with it. I want to delegate it to you and then empower you to do that job. right? I want to cut you loose. Does that make sense? Not cut you loose as a friend or cut you loose from my involvement in your life, but I want to cut you loose as far as strings attached. When you guys delegate and lead, this is vital. Let people lead. Don't try to manage every action that they do. Because you're going to stifle them, and they're going to hate it. <laughs> Before coming on staff here, I had a, a great boss that I love, right? But a lot of what happened in the office was micromanaged. I mean, to the point that it was ridiculous, right? I need this signed by Friday if these five things are going to line up on Tuesday the right way. Okay, I'll sign it next week. No, I need it on Friday. I just said on Friday. Like, none of these things are going to work out. Well, they can wait. We're going to be paying people, like, literally, in this case, a couple thousand dollars a day to wait on us if we don't have that signed today. I'll sign it next week. You know what I mean? Things like that where if you're micromanaging, it's going to destroy what people below you are doing. So don't micromanage. Okay? So leaders, delegate and give people power. And I want to encourage you. It's only insecure leaders that don't give people real power. Does that make sense? If you are a real leader, you're going to give people real power and not be insecure about them accomplishing more than you, or looking better than you. right? Your goal is the team winning. Okay, Leaders share their faith. You can't multiply without sharing your faith. It just won't happen. We're never going to gain new ground if we're not sharing our faith. Leaders disciple others. Again, we're not going to multiply until we're doing discipleship. It's part of multiplying and investing in a few key people. And I want to close by saying that leaders are team players. Leaders don't do their own thing their own way. They're team players. We're going to go together, and we're going to go at the pace of the group, and we're going to do it as a team. That's where multiplication really takes place as a team, not just as one person flying solo doing their own thing. So I want to encourage you as a leader to do it as a team, as a part of a team that's bigger than you, as a part of the team that you're specifically leading, to be a team player in every regard. So again, doing all that in the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you. You can't just try harder to do these things. You have to do these things relying on Him and allowing Him to do it through you. All right, so the leadership self-test as we close, is I want you to review that list that each of you have. I want you to do two things. And you can do this in your own time, because we're kind of out of time. I want you to mark down just the categories. So look at the highlighted categories The leadership acronym categories, right? Those categories, again, are lifestyle, example, action, direction, expertise, relationships, speech, habits, initiative, and propagating, or multiplying. You might be a person of action, but terrible at loving others in relationships. So you might want to mark relationships is one of the key categories that I really need to grow. So I think those are the big, big points. So look through those main points first and see where you need to grow in each of those main areas in the acronym. Then second, look at the subcategories and mark where you think you feel weakest as well. Okay? Now I want you to do two things after that. I want you to ask God to help you grow in those areas where you think you're weak. You'll probably find that some of the subcategories you're weak in lie under some of the big categories that you're weak in, right? So take those areas to God and say, God, I want you to make me more like you in this area, and I want to trust you to enable me to do these things in the power of your Holy Spirit. And then I want to encourage you to create some goals to help you take the next step in those areas. Create realistic goals. We'll probably talk about this sometime during the semester, but I've heard it put this way. Create smart goals. You might want to jot this down real quick. You want to create goals that are specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and within a time frame. Specific, measurable, action-oriented, realistic, and within a time frame. If your goals don't meet all five of those criteria, they're not good goals. If you say, I want to learn to love people sometime in my life, that's not a good goal. So if you're realizing I'm not very good at loving people, don't make that your goal. Because there's no way to determine whether or not you succeeded. There's no time frame. There's no specific action to take. But instead, maybe think this. This week, I'm going to encourage somebody I don't like. Right? It's going to be specific. Don't tell that person you don't like, by the way. <laughs> okay? Um, it's measurable. It's within a week. It's action-oriented. I'm going to do it. Right? It's realistic. It's not unrealistic. You might not want to say, I want to develop a close friendship with everybody in connect this week. Well, it might not happen. Okay? So get some good goals. Between you and God, set some goals for the areas that you feel weak in. And then trust Him and trust the Holy Spirit in you to help you accomplish those goals. And even talk to the person that's discipling you as far as those goals go. And I want to encourage you guys, he's going to get you there. Second Corinthians 3.18 says that the Holy Spirit is transforming you day by day in his likeness. And he, again, is our role model for leadership. So the Holy Spirit in you is making you a better leader day by day. I would encourage you also to read John Maxwell's 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership and John MacArthur's The Book on Leadership. They're both good resources as far as growing as a leader. Again, John Maxwell's 20, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership and John MacArthur's The Book on Leadership. Apply these things this week, guys. <laughs> Try to grow in these areas this week and trust God to make you a bigger leader. That was an overview talk on leadership principles. We're going to be more specific week to week for the rest of the semester. But I hope it encouraged you, and I hope you get to walk away with some good stuff, okay? Uh, Brandon, would you close this out? Heavenly Father.